Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to the 90th share of Coach Menachem Bernfeld and uh, the Let's Get Real team. Thank you all for joining us here tonight. Uh, special, special thank you Rabbi Stark from Eretz Yisrael for waking up fire tugs over here. I always say if somebody comes on from Eretz Yisrael, I think everybody should come on time because if he's waking up at 4.30 in the morning, we could definitely try to make it at 9.30. So Shkai for coming. Again, I want to thank every week for everybody for coming on and for posting on the WhatsApp statuses, emailing people about it, letting people know about it. This is all done by the Oilam, for the Oilam. So Baruch Hashem, we're up to the 90th shir, Tzadik. Right, so we put Sadik, we brought Rabbi Stark. I guess there must be a reason for that. So Baruch Hashem is here. For all those that are watching the replay of this video on YouTube, click on the like button, the subscribe button. So Coach Menachem Berenfeld can make millions of dollars. For anyone who's interested in getting the Sunday flyers on Sunday, please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066, 848-525-0066. And uh, I will send you every Sunday the flyer with everybody who's coming on that week. First, I want to start with thanking all of our advertising sponsors, the Lakewood School for promoting us here in Lakewood. Special thank you for your Robin Yanif from Chazak for promoting us on the Chazak channels. A special thank you to Chayla Kaplan Shmuel Summer for the Jewish Content Network for promoting us on all the Jewish platforms. Next Sunday, we're going to have another guest from Eretz Back to back. We always do back to back Eretz Yisrael. We're having for round two of Daniel Katz. So we're discussing a very interesting topic. Manasseh, maybe you could have just clarified exactly what he's discussing because I'll just read the title. Maybe just clarify what we're talking about. The coming revolution of how the Torah and Judaism will respond as the vacuous and spiritual experiences go to the mainstream. Menachem, what are we talking about? What is he talking about? Vacuous and spirituality. It, people, it's everything that people are looking for and they don't know where to find it. And he's going to teach us how to connect the Yiddishkeit Torah, a real connection, and a natural way. Natural? Okay, this is without any uh, special substance. Wow. Okay, I'm going to be there, Shem. tell everybody to join. Unbelievable. She, last time he came on was really it was the next next level. So, tonight we have the schos and the honor of having Reb Chaim, Reb Chaim Dov Stark, wife from Israel. Before we get into him, Coach Menachem, tell the Olam why we're here tonight, what we're talking about. Open it up. Thank you very much. Yes, welcome everyone. It's a big schos to have Rabbi Stark with us tonight. And like uh, Rabbi Asher mentioned, tonight is is a sensitive topic and. We're discussing building foundations for life. Now, the topic of Kedusha is usually not discussed in public. And there are many that don't even talk about it, the Chlal. And even those who do, they mention it and hope that everything will work out, that the, the, the kids, the Bacharim or, or, or the girls, whoever it is, they should understand. But they hope for the best. But what happens is, Sometimes people sit in their house and they're not sure, they don't understand, and they don't, they don't know that there is who to talk to. And uh, basically there's, when somebody does, somebody is initial, somebody falls through, whatever it is, they can sit there with guilt and shame um, when it's something that they, they, they sometimes they feel they're the only one. And many have given up with these challenges. 
and they sometimes can feel it's you know this is who I am and they they really don't know that there is help out there whether it's help or it's understanding how we work now many years ago this was you know some places spoke about it some didn't but in today's generation that it's really all over the place. You know, you have billboards and you have uh, easy access. And even those families who have filters and talk about, you know, I know Rabbi Stark has made his mission to deal with this and he's dealing, he deals with, with people that, that they have filters at home. Even with the filters, people have a hard time and they don't know what, what and when and where the skills. So, in today's days, the easy access, the truth is that, you know, I've done a little bit of research and if you told our grandparents what we would be dealing with, with technology today's days, they would never believe you. Now, it looks like we, we, can't, we can't understand and we can't imagine what our kids and our, our Eimiklech are gonna be dealing with and even the next five, 10 years. You know, I, I think we have to down from Mashiach fast because what they're working for in technology, it, it's going so fast. And it's like, if you understand, we can sit now and Zoom with hundreds and talking together, but it's all on a screen. What they're working on is that you're not even gonna believe you're on a screen. You're actually gonna be sitting around the table. You know what that means? Now, I don't know what that means, but it, we don't know where they're taking it. And we try, yes, our Rabbanim, and we come up with filters, we try whatever we can. But even with that, we still have to deal with it and talk, whether it's the, the young, young Bacharim kids, to understand it. And the truth is that there are many adults that are sitting at home, they're sitting in pain and silence, not knowing that how this works and they should go discuss it with somebody. Now I'm not discussing real addiction, but those who have a real addiction, they have to go for whatever help there is out there. But even people who quote unquote are not addicts, but the access is it's such easy access and they can sometimes fall and then they don't know how to deal with it and they sometimes give up. So it is a big choice to have with us Rabbi Stark, who has made his mission, and um, he'll tell us a little bit of uh, what comes to his desk. And Baruch Hashem, he's come up with, I, I want to thank you, somebody, Erev Shabbos, had dropped off the Sefer, Mamish like Elio Anovi. I got to read a little bit, but yes, it is like a real guide, very clear and understanding of, of re the real foundation of our Yiddisha, Yiddish house, and this is not only for Bakram, this is for girls, this is for adults, men and women, to understand there's a big, the big world out there, and how are we supposed to stay in our teva, in our home, and be happy with what we have, and not have our eyes open all over the place, and then looks like in the fantasy world, it looks real, but all of this, in Hashem, we will address tonight, so thank you very much for being with us. Beautiful opening, appreciate that. Um, somebody right before the share is partially sponsored the share, Neil and Natalia Thalheim uh, from Woodmere, with gratitude of their brand new baby granddaughter this morning. So they, they got the thing from the share and they said they wanted a sponsor. Partially, the share was very nice. 
Mazel Tov, yes, Rabbi Lavan, the child of all the, all the other grandchildren. I'm going to read Rabbi Stark's bio, but Tzvi, uh, if you could give a elaborate a little bit about the Sefer and about the Askamas, but who gave us Askamas just for a few minutes before, literally for a minute, so people could know. Well, Zevi, sorry, Zevi, I call him Tzvi. Okay, but I'll read his bio, then you'll say who about it, a little bit about the Sefer and who gave the Askamas, because it was a long email, and um, I can't get to it right now. Okay, Rabbi Chaim Dov Stark is a Meshkirah Ruchni Gushiras, Adaris Atayah Rabbi Sensei Yeshiva, has been exposed to many of the greats of the generation among Harav Goyen, Rabbi Moshe Shapiro Zetzal, and has made it his mission to impact the wisdom of these Torah luminaries, says Talmidim. He's the author of the Sefer, Hector Vakovid, that is Sabotka style Musar Sefer using the approach of Golas Adam. He also wrote an amazing Sefer, Rabbi Stark could tell you, Rabbi Zevi could tell us, but the Sefer, you said, what's it called, Asayda Bias? Okay, and tell us a little about it. Tell us who gave us comments, what's about, and then Rabbi Stark will take over. Fantastic. So, so Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, the Sefer Yisrael Abayas uh, is really dealing with this issue, as Coach Menachem said, as Rabbi Asher said, and uh, the Haskamas really uh, run the gamut. We have from Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky, who spoke out, who, who his Haskamas says that it's uniquely suited to prepare the Bachim of our generation for their future task of building faithful Jewish homes. Revelia Brudny, Rabbi Renison Ever, Mashkiach um, over here, also Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz, Rosh Hashiva of Eshatayra. And also we have we have a scum over here um, from even there's a there's a Hebrew adaptation that's in the works, but in general uh, what's going on is that is that thousands of people have already across the spectrum of Yiddishkeit have uh, Baruch Hashem found that uh, the Sefer really really addresses so much. Also besides for the Sefer itself, uh, the Mashkiach's uh, recordings uh, from the weekly shmuz that he gives in Yeshiva are available on the Rabbi Stark podcast as well as RabbiStark.com. Which we'll put the links in the uh, in 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 the chat box, but uh, that's that's really what's going on with the safer. The safer, uh, the the uh, the safer is is mom is changing the world in the in the sense of giving an approach, an authentic approach that's based on Masira. So uh, that's that's pretty much I think the the best way of of summarizing it. And uh, if we could give it over to uh, to the Mashkiach Shlita um, in terms of of being able to bring us into this world a little bit. Thank you very much. And Shalom Aleichem from Yushalayim, Rakhidesh, Rabbi Nachum, Rabbi Asher. It's a schuss to be here. And I love the fact that I'm representing Yushalayim, that I could offer Yushalayim, Rakhidesh to the Yidin and Gullis. Uh, we're talking about some pitfalls in technology, but we have to talk about what's great about technology. And that's what's going on right now. It's Gishmak. It's Gishmak to sit together as brothers. Usually with a big crowd, I'm standing. Here I'm sitting in my house. And the reason is because it's Shevis Achim. We're, we're brothers sitting together. And I heard from Rav David Kain Shlita, Rosh Hashiva of Hebron, who also actually, Zevi was mentioning, wrote a Haskama for the future Hebrew adaptation of this Sefer, uh, that What's the Lashen Noim? It's, it's Neimus, it's Geshmak. It's not just Toiv to be with Achim, but it's also Geshmak. So I'd like to thank you for this Geshmak, for this tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And that's why Bayre Elam really created technology. When Malachim Mashiach comes, uh, we'll send out a mass email, a big Zoom link. We'll all be there in no time. Uh, so we're talking about the challenges of this generation and 
like Rib Menachem pointed out, there's some dark issues over here. We're going to be discussing tackling pornographic material and things of the sort. And it's kind of hard to believe, as Rib Menachem said, if our, our great grandparents or even grandparents would uh, see what we're tackling today, uh, they would faint from disbelief. And it kind of makes us wonder what the quality of our generation is. It could make somebody a little bit depressed. And a person might have a knee-jerk reaction to say, you read us, Hadiris, we're in Ikvisa de Meshicha. We're at the heels of Mashiach. We know all the Neshamas are part of the body of Admarishan. And now we're at the lowest point, the heel of Mashiach. It's a dark place. It's a place that's not exposed to light. Doesn't have many nerve endings on the bottom of the foot. And perhaps that's why we're going through all this. That's why there's so many difficult nisyonos, so many ugly nisyonos. And I think that's a terrible mistake. And if I just came here to just say that, it would be worth it. Uh, we could uh, close up shop just to say this one idea. And that is that the neshamas of this generation are not detached. Mm -hmm. The neshamas of this generation are not in the dark. The neshamas in this generation, I speak from experience. I'm in the ear of Yushalayim. All roads converge to me over here. I sit here in Yushalayim and I get to see people from all walks of life, every, every type of bacher, and I see very big neshamas. And Lamaisa, it's a Rebaizik Chavar. Rebaizik Chavar, it's a Ksav Yad that I'd like to make famous. On the Medrash in Vayikra Rabbah, Tapuach HaKeva Yishaladamarishin HaYamake Galgal HaChama. The heel of Adam Arishan eclipsed the sun. Says Rabbi Zechavar, what do we need to know how bright the heel of Adam Arishan is? It seems like something that's just a detail. He says, no, this is the most important thing for Yidin going through Ikvis of the Mashiach. They have to know that the heel of Adam Arishan, which is all the neshamas of this generation, eclipsed the sun. They're so bright. They're so great. And therefore, we have to understand how it could be if our neshamas are so great, and I know they're great because I, I get to meet so many Bachram from this generation. How could they be dealing with such darkness Yainas, at the same time? It seems like a paradox. And there's a very simple answer for this. The answer is that not because boys have a bigger Yetzirah today, not because of even Yeridas Hadiris, but simply because of availability, availability. When something's available, even to the Dordea, even to the great generation of Maimed Har Sinai, they fail. The Medrash tells us that the great Limud Schus that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to bring up to the Rabbeinu Shalom on Klal Yisrael, the Cheda Egel, was a mushal of a father who gives his son a parnasa to go sell perfume. And where does he want him to sell perfume? And my father is in marketing. So it's location, location, location. Right next to a base Zainus. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm sure you make a Parnassah, but it's not a place for a Yiddish Akim. And he ends up over there. And then the father comes to visit to see how his son's doing in Parnassah. And he sees him, Rahman al-Itzlan. He sees him being over on a terrible Avenue. And he starts screaming at him, this is my Nachis. And a friend of the, a friend of the, of the father comes and says, what did you expect exactly? Here you put him by a base Zionist selling perfume and you expected nothing to happen. This is the Dordea, my friends. 
This is the generation that had no Yerida Sederis. There's no generation that shined brighter. And, and Meish Rabbeinu says that when something's available, there's a problem. It doesn't matter how big your neshama is. Now that's the regular Nisayan of availability. Now we're going to take it another step further and we're going to prove that there's never been a Nisayan this, this great. Because the Dardaya, when they were dealing with the Cheda Egel, they were exposed to Avodah Zara and Mitzrayim, and that was the Limud Chus that Moshe Rabbeinu was sending up to the Rabbonosham. But they were, a, each one of them was a Bardas. They were able to make proper decisions. They were adults. I don't speak from statistics. Most of my knowledge is coming from the Torah and from experience. I'm not, I'm not well-versed in, in, uh, in psychology. I'm not well-versed in uh, statistics. I'm coming from experience and from the Torah and from Shemesh Talmidei Chacham. That's, my, that's what I'm bringing to the table. And I can tell you that the vast, vast majority of Bakram today who are struggling in the areas of Kedusha, when I asked them the, the time of their life that they were exposed to pornography, we're talking the age of 11, from, from nine, to, 9 to 11, or maybe 12. That means that they were, something was available to them before they were a Bardas, before the Rabboni Shalom held they're even responsible for something. This is the first time in history. It's not just Mayas and It's not just being available. It's giving children who are not able to make their proper decisions. It's putting them in a situation that's impossible. So therefore, I would like to say, and we have to understand this carefully, What's happening today is not a virus. It's a xera. It's not an avera. It's, an, it's a xera. If the Rabbonu Shalom put us in a world where children who are below bar mitzvah and not responsible alpidin for their actions are being exposed to the worst tumma and gayishkeit that we could ever fathom in our lives, that means that this is a xera. Of course, we have to roll up our sleeves and fix ourselves. But if we don't understand this, we don't understand the boys and girls of this generation. The boys and girls of this generation are being exposed to things against their own will. And if we know this, we'll deal with them with proper respect. They deserve our respect. We would have done the same thing, my friends. I was part of a family. I have a great family. My, I attribute all of, the, all of my leadership and, and, and desire to help Yisrael to my parents. And uh, I can tell you that it was very interesting growing up. We also love gadgets. It's part of being a family that's doers. We love gadgets. We had the first car phone. I remember one time we were, had the schools of helping a big rub on the George Washington Bridge. It was so exciting. We had the car phone. And when I was in Eretz Yisrael, I had the first cell phone. And it was Gavaldi because no one could call me. I, I was the only one with the phone. I just called my mother at 3.30 in the afternoon and told her I was okay. I am sure that at the age of 10, I would have had an iPad because we were always up to date. And I am sure that I would be in the same situation, not because I'm saying that I'm a bad guy. I'm just a regular person who when something's available to somebody going through a confusing part of their life, they will be exposed and they will be nichshom. So we're dealing with a lot of respect over here. And this is what I wanted to introduce over here. The covet for this generation, the generation of Victus and Meshicha, which will be the final generation in history, which will make history, Bezrus Hashem.
Okay. Beautiful opening. Take a one minute break. We're going to do a poll and then we have a bunch of questions that came in. And if anybody wants to ask a question, please text Ashra Parnas. Uh, you know, live questions go first. Okay, let's get into it. Let's take the poll. Here we go. Oh, hold on one second. Matt, we want to see if the poll thing works by you on your side. Works? See it? Yeah, click on poll. But maybe it's up. Do you see it? Yeah. Does everybody see it? Rob Stark, do you see it? I see it. Okay. Menachem, read the question. Okay, here we go. Number one. Do you think internet filters are the solution to the to this uh, problem? Availability today. Okay, that's number one. If the filters are a solution, that answers a yes, no, what else can we do? And number two, do parents today know what their kids are up to online? Mostly yes, mostly not, and... You might have pressed the button. Yeah, Menachem, the poll's not up again. Relaunch it again. People can't see it. I have the questions. Just launch it again. Now? You can see it, Rabbi Star? Yeah, I can see it. Okay, let me read the questions. Do you think internet filters are the solution to the indecent material available today? Do you think if we just put a filter on a phone and that will solve it? Is number one, yes. Number two, no. Or C, what else can we do? Second question. Do parents today know what their kids are up to online? Most are. Most parents are. Most people are not. Depends what kind of relationship you have with your kid. So answer those two questions. Are you able to answer them? Not moving anymore. I don't know. It's not working on my side. I can't do it unless I... Okay. Well, let me try it. It's important. The poll is important. I want to see what the item thinks. Hold on one second. Let's not make noise when I go on, though. Yeah. Okay, so 39% of the people said yes, they feel that the solution is the is the to have a filter. 52% of people feel it's not, and 9% of people said, what else can we do? So most people feel, Rabbi Stark, that the filters are not the answer. Number two, do parents today know what their kids are up to? 13% of people said yes, 74% of people, 74% said no, and 13% depends on the type of relationship you have with your kids. So the bottom line, the other doesn't feel that the, the filters work, and, um, most people don't know what the kids are up to online. So I, I think we're all on the same boat that the situation is a pretty uh, serious. It's not nobody's living in Columbus over here. Okay. So again, anybody wants to ask a question, please text me. Um, we'll put you on live goes first. And we have a bunch of questions here. Rabbi Stark, what do you say to the polls? I say that I'm happy that 72% uh, realize that, um, that people are, the parents are not aware and, um, I say that, you know, basically we're starting to be in touch over here. So it's very good. And there's a lot to work with. You know, in general, you need to be uh, a base keyboard in order to start working. You have to know what's going on. It seems like the Olam is ready uh, to work over here. Okay, let's go. 
If anybody has the poll in front of them, you can just X and get out of it. And we're going to go to the questions now, okay? Let's start with a few basic questions. Questions, people are coming live. We're going to put, make a line for them. And then we'll get into it. First question, Rabbi Stark. As a parent of many young children turning bar mitzvah soon, it seems that many of our young boys and girls are being exposed to indecent material. We filter all our computers, but there, is there anything else more that we should be aware of? Is there any more that we could do as parents? Okay, this is very interesting, especially with the polls. It sounds like people are really feeling that uh, filters are not the answer. And um, I'd like to describe what's happening uh, with filters. You know, in general, the sugya of filters itself goes under what's called siyag litayra, what's called yerashamayim, creating fences. And fences are crucial. If a person doesn't have fences, they don't have yerashamayim. Rabbeinu Yona writes, that without fences, a person doesn't have your Shemayim, just like we put an alarm system on our house because we're so concerned that nobody should come in. If a person doesn't have fences, they simply don't care enough. However, what's happening is because we're over-focusing on filters, we're giving perhaps a wrong message. Filtering is one aspect, but there's another aspect, which is what is my value system? What is my value system? You know, Yosef Hatzadik in the moment of Nisayan could not, have, he would have loved to have a filter. He would have loved to create a fence around him. Aishas Potiphar would not have been able to go near him. But this is a world without filters. And if we're only going to be building filters, we're not going to be able to navigate. People go to hotels. People have cameras in their houses that, that have access to things that nobody would be prepared for. So if we're gonna be using filters, we're gonna have a problem over here. And I've seen something really, really strange, which is that a lot of Bahrain, this is probably the point that resonates the most with Bahrain, is they feel that they're being taught that there are lions that need to be put into a cage. Basically a lion is a very dangerous animal, right? And if you would ever open up the gate, right in the zoo, to the, to the kids in the zoo, everybody would run for their lives. Many are feeling because of the overfocus of filters that, hey, I'm a really dangerous guy. I have to have my hands tied all day. And if I ever get to escape, if I ever get to, to out there, I will definitely fail. I want to uh, give us a, a fascinating story that came to a posek just a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, a boy from the Ukraine called the, an Eretz Yisrael posek. He said that. Me and my friend, we had a deal in Kedusha that whoever is Nikshal first has to pay the other one uh, a certain sum of money. But this is part of the beauty of our generation, people, boys working together to be machazik themselves. What happened? He said, I was in the Ukraine. I had to take down my filter and be, in order to get some app for the trip. And then at that moment, I was Nikshal. I saw things I shouldn't and game over. So the place said, so what's your Shaila? You know, it seems like you were Nikshal first. He says, no, my filter was down. So I have a tour oinas. I'm potter. So the Pisces didn't understand what's going on. You don't need yadin yadin to pass in this chayshin mishpat shayla. Why did this boy feel that he was oinas? That he was, mamish had a tour, he didn't have to do anything. This reflects a very common attitude. A lot of times people will come back from a benazmanim. Again, we're talking about the whole group who come to Yerushalayim. At this point, I speak to thousands of Bakrim from all, uh, all spectrums. 
they believe that if something goes wrong with their filter, it's not their fault because what were they supposed to do? And that's really a shame because all Avodah Hashem starts when a person realizes that he has to make a decision. A coach, right? Rabbi Menachem, this is Coach Menachem, right? So if we have a good coach, imagine a coach, let's say a coach of a basketball team. He teaches all of his uh, team that when you airball Rabosai, don't worry, just be happy with yourself. Get right back up. When you miss a three-pointer at the buzzer, don't feel bad. It's okay, right? So that's very important to, to build the, the team. But you're generally, if that's all you're saying as a coach, you're creating a team of losers. <laughs> Why are you creating a team of losers? Because you're not talking about winning the game. You're only talking about falling, falling. And this is an over-focus of falling. I, I make a joke. There's a song today, a beautiful song about you fall down, you get back up, right? But I tell the Bachram, don't sing that song so much because you see how many times you sang the words, you fall down? How many times did you say the words, you fall down? It's true, Sheva Yipol Tzadik come, but that's only in an emergency when you weren't able to make your decision. We have to empower our Bachram. We have to tell them that they're strong. We have to tell them that they're gonna be in situations where they're not gonna have their filter today. It's going to happen, and that they're, they're strong enough to make their decisions. If I want you to remember one thing from this session today, it's this beautiful medrash, a beautiful medrash in Shira Shiram Rabba, Zion Zion. The medrash is talking about Suga Bashoshan and having offensive roses. Uh, it's, a, it's a Pasuk in Shira Shiram. It talks about a boy. He really was a man. He was 30 or 40 years old. And he invested in his chasna. He was finally waiting, got, got married at 30 or 40 years old. And the chasna was supposed to climax at Benish Ishto at the most private moment where he could have real affection towards his new Ashes Chayel. And all of a sudden she says, Kashoshana Duma Raisi, I saw Dom. She was Poresis Nida. She became usher to him. And what happens? They move from one side of the room to the next, they separate from each other. Says the Medrash, what iron fence is between them, right? What filter? What snake is going around this lady to protect her from him being Nikshal and her being Nikshal? What scorpion? Rather, says the Medrash, is beneath with them. Shirachin Kishoshana, that's as soft as a rose, El Isha Benidas Tomasalotikram, the Pasuk that says that a person should stay away. What's this Medrash telling us? This Medrash is telling us that everyone's in a situation where they're not going to have a filter, where they're not going to have an iron fence, where they're not going to have a snake or a moat with crocodiles going around the Avera, and they're going to have to make a decision. What are they going to decide? A pasuk, their value system, it's not right. I'm bigger than this. I'm better than this. I can do this. And the altar Slobatka said, why is it called offensive roses? There are two types of fences. There's a fence that's barbed wire and electric and scares the living daylights out of you. And then there's a fence of roses. Said the altar, and I heard this from my Rebbe Ravosh Shapira Zatzal. It's not printed, but it's something that I heard from him. 
he said this in the city of Slobodka itself. He said, you, the altar said, why don't you go trample over roses? Because they're too beautiful. Not because it's a great security system. When you see roses, you don't trample over them. So we need to teach, teach our, our generation that they filter, filter, filter because they have Yerushalayim, but they can do it. When they're going to have those moments where they're not going to have that filter, they will succeed. Just like Yosef Hatzadik succeeded, just like this young man, 30 or 40 years old, was able to make a proper decision, they can do it. Beautiful, Rabbi Stark. Menachem. Want to unmute Menachem? Yep. Okay, so here's a question from, looks like an older person. I was raised back in the day, classically, the classical Svarim discussed Kedusha with frightening Chazal they, to instill the fear of Hashem. They're always, they like pamphlets passed around with this approach of threats of Gehenna, um, creating Shadim, and he asked about the breast of a tick and Chloe. Are these effective with today's bathroom? Wow, this is a great question. <laughs> this is like a, one of the million dollar questions over here. Um, because this is what's happening. You know, a lot of times there are these pamphlets going all over the place. Somehow they're for free, right? Whenever something's free, get nervous. Right? <laughs> but um, we have to discuss exactly what our approach is to Kedusha. Because... Let's go back to what the approach of our generation is to Musser in general. Things have changed. You know, the fire and brimstone of the earlier generation, the mashkichim of today, and even the generation before, before veered from that approach of instilling fear. It requires a lot of Yerushalayim to take in the fires of Gehenna and Shadim and all these things. One time in Beriankiv, somebody came as a guest speaker to speak to the Bachram, and he started talking about Gehenna. Revolba came up to him afterwards, Mashkiach, and he said, I want you to know that Gehenna doesn't exist today. And of course he didn't mean Gehenna doesn't exist. But what he was saying is that's not our approach anymore. This is not the derech of our, of our generation. We, it, and you see it. It makes people nervous. It makes people even depressed, right? If we want to talk Kabbalah and we should talk about how the Mukubalim say that when someone's depressed, they can't do anything right. So let's talk about why this particular area has all this fire and brimstone in it. Why are we still in the dark ages, right? And not servicing our Bahram according to the new Masora of Musar in the area of Kedusha. Why are we teaching them about demons? Of course, these things could exist and do exist, but they're not the things that will make someone Shtag today. A person needs to be able to hear Hashem, that Hashem loves us. Hashem has us doing things, has us working on things so that we can be better. We get better for ourselves, better for our Ashes Kyle, better for our children. This is the technique that we need in our generation. And when we have pamphlets like this, it actually causes sometimes more damage uh, then good. I put the pamphlets in Seamus because they are Divrei Torah, but I think that their place should be in, in Seamus. I am personally a, I'm an anical of the Milas of the brother of the Vilna Gon, and what I pride myself on, of course, I have Hasidish roots also, but I pride myself on bringing the work back 
the Litvisha Mesora in Nizanyana. Rav Chaim Volashner, uh, quoting Bra in Kesar Rosh, said that if a Yid is Taira and he's working on himself and he's Chodzer B'Tshuva, none of these scary things apply to him. We have the ability to fix our problems, just like you can do tshuva on any aspect of life. You can fix this way, this issue, just the same, no matter how dark it seems, no matter how bleak, but it's, we're capable of this. And we have a rich Masora, which I mentioned in the Sefer, of being able to fix our problems. And in terms of Tikkun Klali, if a person is a Breslover, they should be following their Breslov Masora. Uh, every person should follow their Masora. But if a person's not a Breslover, then why are they following someone else's Masorah? That's not the way we do things in Klali. So if, if Rav Nachman revealed a Tikkun Klali, so that's the approach of his Hasidim. Now, why, why do I not tell Bakram of this generation to read Tikkun Klali? Because in, in the Masorah that I have, when you tell someone that you need to be saved by a tzaddik, you're basically telling them that they can't fix their problem with proper tshuva, right? Just like if someone's Mechal Shabbos, they don't tell them to connect to a tzaddik and say a special tefillah. I tell them to work on Shemir Shabbos. In this area too, it's empowering to tell someone, you can fix your problem. Bariyelim loves you. He believes in you. You can do it. But often when we when we start doing things, like even on a suffix, I'll say to Kuali on a suffix, I tell people not to even say tikkun kali on a suffix. Why? Because a bar das, somebody who knows what they're doing, has to be confident that they can fix their problems through tshuva, through, through tztaka, right? All the things that a person, through taira, through all the things that we do. Um, actually, Rabbi Yeshua Eichenstein, um, who's a big mechanic here in Eretzal, the Shiva of, of Yad Aaron, he said that Kanos is bankrupt today. What, is, what do you mean Kanos is bankrupt today? He said that Bakram today don't do well with this. They think it's like when you don't know what you're saying, you just scare people. You just scream, Asr, Asr. We, we, we can stand in front of our Bakram and show them the value of life that we have in following the Torah of We have nothing to be afraid of. We can explain all this to them. We don't have to hide behind Shadim and all these other things. And we have to realize it comes with a, a price of making a part of our life too spooky for this generation. It's not what we're used to in any other area. It never made us grow in any other area. Why should the area of Kedusha suffer today? Especially Rav Menachem, as you mentioned, when this is the sugya of the generation, that means people are going to overload themselves with intense chazals about fire and brimstone, the ancient shelig of Gehenna, What's going to be? How does somebody wake up in the morning with a smile? We have a lot of live questions. I know there's a lot of questions that came in, but let's try to take a few live, okay? We'll get to some more. Okay. You're on. Hi, Rabbi Stark. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I'm a regular Yeshua Bacher, like many others, and I learn full time. And uh, I, like everyone else, has a regular Yetzirah. And I, with a lot of self-awareness, I realized the biggest uh, times that it's more prone for me to be Nikshal is when I am just in a bad mood or I feel upset or, you know, not in a good mood with myself. And I just want to distract myself. And that's where I realized 
that's where my Yitzhahara is the biggest to go onto something that's not so appropriate. And, you know, with all other things, usually if I have a Yitzhahara, I, I have a balance to kind of fight it. But over here, it's just much harder because I feel there's no other way out. So what advice would you give to someone who, who their challenge comes from there? And I don't know, maybe most people's challenges come from there. But in my situation, someone that, you know, we're pained by a difficult situation or something sad or whatever, and we can't hold that feeling with ourselves, what could we do to not have to go to Dvarim Asurim? First of all, this is an amazing question. And this also reflects Rabbi Nachum Rabasher, the greatness of the generation how much boys are struggling and, and, and want to do good and at the same time are doing good. Uh, what I tell you, and I, I don't make any specific answers to you. The reason I don't is because I don't know you. And I would never in any forum publicly give a personal answer. But we can all die together. In general, uh, what you're saying resonates in terms of what we said, the Makubalim, the Shari Kedusha, the Gra, and others say, when a Yid is not besimcha, he ends up doing destructive things to himself. If I don't believe in myself, if I don't feel good about myself, then I don't mind harming myself and maybe I even enjoy harming myself. Now, I would say the following, this is delicate that we're getting into this right away, but it's very important why a person doesn't feel good about himself. If a person has a relationship in his life that's causing this type of confusion and pain, uh, then it could be something that's not for a Musr Sefer. It could be something that's for professional help. And this is something we're seeing very much in the Sugya, is we have to learn how to separate between when something should be dealt with professionally versus when something should be done through Divrei Taira. You know, I, I personally am very careful not to leave my Tchum. My Tchum is Divrei Taira. And the Sefer that I, that, that I wrote, Bisiyata Deshmaya, has absolutely no psychology in it, which is very strange. I mean, in this generation, there's so many statistics, there's so many studies. And I was amazed because the great Machanchem of this generation who deal with psychology all the time and deal with addictions and deal with pain, none of them told me to put that in the Sefer. Uh, none of them. And I was, I was so enjoying this, and I'll explain to you why. Because when you're writing a Sefer, you just write what the Divrei Torah are on that topic. So if the Torah says that a person can exercise self-control, if the Torah says that there are certain values that we can work on, so then you take those values and you try to work with them as Divrei Torah. But then, let's say the Torah is not helping you. You see that time and time again, you're taking out Svarim, you're trying to be Mechazic yourself, and you keep coming back. It could be to even a painful relationship in the home, and you keep numbing yourself with dvarim asurim. Then a person will know after that, hey, Torah is not helping me, so it must be that I should explore chachma bagayim tamid. There's a there's there's so much out there that can help us, and we have many erlucha uh, therapists and psychologists who can help a person through this. I gave this safer to a major therapist in in Yerushalayim. And I apologize. I said, you know, there's no psychology in the Sefer. It's all Torah psychology, but not psychology. And he says, I'm thanking you. He goes, why? Because somebody reads a Sefer that's a challenge of Torah and psychology. So then essentially they don't know, are they learning Torah or are they doing psychology? And then they actually never get the help they need. 
But if someone reads a Sefer about Torah and it doesn't help them, then they'll know to come to me, said the, said the big therapist, and get help. And we have to know how to divide these two tchumen. And when a person is in pain, they have to ask themselves, is this a Torah sugya of pain? Meaning, am I not sameach bechalki? Am I a little jealous of the bachram in the base medrash? Very healthy types of pain. Or do I have a relationship that I'm in that's somewhat abusive, that's causing me pain to numb? And we're finding both of these, Rabbi Nachim, Rabbi Asher, both of these types of pain are coming to us every day. We have to navigate between the pain that's addressed through a Musr Sefer and the pain that's addressed through uh, a therapist and a psychologist. The Rabbi Stark, Murray, did you ready for the next one? Sure. Did I, okay. did, if that's, uh, Rabbi Nachum, what do you feel about that answer? What, what's your thoughts? I think the Mashiach is going to, um, is going to talk about it later of certain tools, but eventually he might want to come down to a tool or, or two that can help him actually, um, be proactive and not fall into those situations. But it could be, you'll speak I, about it soon. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. You're on live. Let's go. Uh, I wanted. To, I just want, to, uh, maybe as a little bit of a follow-up to that last question, that that a lot of I feel um a bachurin yeshiva, a lot of mainstream good bachurin feel that they're they're sort of in between. They're not the top of the sheer, and they're not let's say so to speak the troublemakers. Does Rebbe feel that there's maybe a lack of attention or an emotional attachment that's maybe drawing them afterwards, um, drawing them other places? that if maybe they felt more of a connection, maybe with the Rebbe or a parent, that, or maybe even just an older Bachar, that, that would be able to, to sort of stop the problem maybe a little bit earlier on? Um, absolutely. In fact, the whole, the whole drive towards Arias is to be connected, right? Essentially, what is the, the, the Nisayan of seeing these things? It's to try to attach to something. Uh, really, um, as next week's Shavuos is going to be apparently on Coach Menachem about Dvekis, right? We want to be Dovik to the Rabbonu Shalom. We want to be Dovik to our Rebbeim. Bo Tidbak is also Dvekis to Talmidei Chachamim. When a person feels that they're Dovik to Torah, they're Dovik to the Rabbonu Shalom, they're Dovik to the Rebbeim, they're connected with their family, and they're, they're actually feeling good about themselves, they're, they're not going to run towards these things. But that's not an excuse because this does this sounds like something where a person needs to start looking inwardly and say, Yes, I'm not the top of my sheer, but I'm a yeah, I'm I'm great, I'm worth so much, I'm I'm making history over here. I'm not masking to the question in the sense that it's a tragedy for anyone to feel that they're somewhere in the middle. I, I deal with Bakram all day, and I would get brachas from Bakram from all on all levels. You know, maybe we're over-focusing on the level of learning. But when you see the chasadim that go on in yeshivas, and you see the care that Bakram have for each other, you see the midas toivas, you see the shemona esres, and you see the steiging and learning, the amelus betaira, the ability to sit and learn dafka when you don't understand, that's what puts a person at the highest place in Eilam Haba. And when a person really instills that value in themselves, they feel better about themselves, and they have less of a Yitzhahara to run to cheap ways of, of, of feeling gratified and connected. Hey, Rabbi Stark, let's go on fire over here. Okay, you're on live. 
Hi. Why is the struggle of girls and women never discussed? Seems that for men and boys, uh, awareness is raised, but for girls who struggle with these temptations or thoughts, it's as if it doesn't exist. Wow. Um, so this is also a million dollar question. And I think to be honest, we can't avoid it anymore. Uh, too much is popping up over here in this topic. It's a little bit of a hot topic for Menachem, but it's called Let's Get Real. So can we get real for this one? Yeah, we're going to allow Let's Get Real, Get Real, to get real. We're All right, we're going to be real over here. And that is that, unfortunately, uh, our girls are being exposed to a lot of things today that we never would have imagined. And it's happening in a way that uh, is uh, astounding. And we're seeing a change in behavior of women today. There, there's a natural tendency of a woman uh, that's untainted to want to have that real relationship with, a, with, with her husband and save herself for that particular relationship. And that was actually a natural phenomenon. The Gemara says is a stamus by women that they naturally are, are inner. They're, they're, they're looking inside themselves. They're internal. They're internal by their very nature. And when Bachram wanted to, um, when people, I should say, wanted to get the attention of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a girl who was from our, our machina, it was very hard because they're not interested. They're not interested. However, we're finding now that um, this Mila of the Bas Yisrael uh, is, 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 is not showing itself always. There's some times where it seems like girls who we don't know where it came from are being more aggressive than guys. Um, they're, they're looking for trouble more and, and the seminaries are dumbfounded by this reality. And what's happening is, I have a Kabbalah from my Rebbe, Rav Moshe Shapiro Zatzal, that Shlomo HaMelech mentioned that there are two women in Mishle. There's the Isha Chayel and the Isha Zona. When we say the Isha Zona, it's a representative term. It does not mean literally a Zona per se. It means the concept of not being an Eishas Chayel. Both of them are starving for relationships. The Eishas Chayel is starving for the relationship of, you know, building that home with her husband and L'Shemel Teferis together, raising a, a mishpacha that's, uh, that's Latoira and Ligdula. And that's what her relationship need is being used for. When a woman is exposed at a young age to pornographic material or even other levels a notch above, they're being taught, wow, I could get attention another way. And it's very effective, it's very quick. And there's a certain gratification at the time that they say, wow, you know, I don't feel great about myself. And look, there are people who are interested in me. And this has to be dealt with with girls because they're suffering equally today. They need to know that this desire for a relationship is so good. It's what makes them the ones who lead Klal Yisrael throughout the generations, right? Sorry, Imenu, we had to listen to the Rebetzin. Rivka, Imenu, she set up the brachas properly. Uh, who gets the bracha? Yaakov, right? Rachel and Leah were figuring out how to build Shifte Ka, right? Our Masora is that the women play this role. They have to realize that this is the most enriching relationship and cheapening their, their relationships earlier could Rahman al-Islam damage them, them saving themselves for their Iker Tachlis and the Bria. And it's again, Tamu Uru Ki Tob Hashem. 
Hashem wants us to feel good. Hashem wants us to be good. And he created all of the mitzvahs and all of the averas to stay away from to enrich our lives. And it has to be addressed as well to women. What can I say? Okay, Muradik. Rabbi Stark, there's another live question. You're on. Shalom, Rabbi. Um, first, I want to thank Rabbi for um, all the debates. I'm really appreciating it. Um, I just want to ask Rabbi um, for some advice for, I'm sure not just for myself, but as someone who grew up through a system where a lot of the muster that I heard, especially as a younger child, was very fire and brimstone. Very, you know, if you do this or don't do that, you know, you're going to go to Gehenna. And now, while I am very much exposing myself to this new Messiah of Musser, as Rabbi put it, um, I still have, you know, these, you know, deep, you know, like buried deep in me, these ideas of, you know, fire and brimstone type Musser that, you know, come up and, you know, in and of themselves can cause pain, you know, if, you know, when somebody, when someone is nutshell. So like, what, what would Rabbi suggest um, for someone who's struggling with that? So this is why I'm going out of my way. You know, when Revolba told somebody that Gehenna doesn't exist today, he understood what he was saying. What he was saying was there are people like you, Tachshitim, jewels, who want to be good, but are overwhelmed by Divrei Chazal that they can't process. And, you know, of course, there, 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 are, there, there is a certain um, damage that's done from the past, but we have to move forward and we have to restructure ourselves in our Musr you have to have emunas chachamim, not emuna in me, because I'm not a chacham, but emuna in my rabbeim. Emuna means that I'm able to change. I once was uh, suffering from uh, sleep deprivation, you know, when I was too much of a masmid. And there was another gadol who told me that if I sleep more, I'll be closer to Hashem. It was hard for me to believe, Rav Menachem, Rav Asher, you know, I was told that, you know, I should fall asleep on my Gemara. And I, I needed emuna because it was hard for me to readjust. Emunas chachamim means that you have to, like, just go with it and let go of the past and really trust that this is the way it's supposed to be in our generation. It changed my life when I believed that I should get more sleep. It was hard for me to believe that I was dying, but I can honestly say that it saved my life. And I'm suggesting the same for you. We have to embrace this Misora, you know, I'm so proud of the fact that not the Haskamas of the Sefer per se, that all of the Divrei Torah in the Sefer were reviewed by the, by the Ene Ha'eda. And now in Eretz Yisrael, you know, uh, Rav David Kohn Shlita, Rav Yeshua Eichenstein uh, over here, and now it's on the desk of Rav Moshe Hillel Hirsch. Um, and it's, it was reviewed by Rishmol Kamenetsky, Rav Brudny, and all the others. What that means is they believe in this Masora wholeheartedly. They believe in this Masora wholeheartedly. So we have to have that same emuna. We have to have that same uh, connection to just, this new approach. I just want to add that, that when he has these thoughts of the past, he shouldn't think that it's a Hasaran and emuna because obviously um, it's not going to go away so fast. It's just to, to be able to see them, hear them, and continue, like the Rebbe, like Mashgiach is saying. But it doesn't go away so fast. When we grow up 20, 30 years with these ideas, they're still there. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not simple. You know, I, I say myself, you know, I'm often saying I should, I should get less sleep, going back to that muscle that I was giving in my own youth. But I have to keep being machazing myself. No, I know how it is when I don't get enough sleep. 
I'm not clear in my learning. I'm not as happy. I'm not as effective with Talmidim. Chaim Dov, remember the message that you had from your Rabbeim and stick with it. Okay, I want to get to the next question over here. I think it's a good question. I'm a regular bacher that's part of the mainstream yeshiva system. I'm from, I'm Erlich Yid in all areas. But one struggle that nags me is an area of Kedusha. I'm not an addict or anything of that sort. It's just that I have been, it's, it's, I've seen and been so easily exposed to so much. I feel like my education on this topic is so poor. I feel like my mind has been warped and I need a healthy perspective to approach it. Why is this, why is it avoided? How can I keep, I keep on hearing these words. Our Masora is not to talk about it. Not to, how do I deal with it as a bacher? Okay, this is also a great question. Uh, uh, amazing. Uh, all these, these questions that we're dealing with over here uh, in this forum. So the Masora of not talking about things, like this is something that I was very afraid of, you know, especially in terms of writing a safer. Um, what is this Masora not to talk about things? And basically what I was makabal at the end of the day from my rabbeim and what, what was readily apparent is when you talk about something that you introduce new ideas to a bacher or a, or a young lady, you're bringing them down into a place that they weren't before. You know, if somebody would, would uh, be dealing with areas of Kedusha with their Talmidim and their Talmidim are, are, are not dealing with these problems. So essentially you're bringing them into a place that they didn't even need to be in, they didn't whatever wanted to be in, and now the mechanic is responsible for doing that. So in general, the Masorah has always been the Klali Yisrael's Kaddish Vitalva. There are a few people who are struggling. The best way to deal with this is not in the open because it preserves the Kedusha of Klali Yisrael. It preserves the Tyra of Klali Yisrael. But if somebody is exposed, I was Makabal from Rabbeim, the only way to be maroiming them is through divrei Torah on this topic. And since, as, as Ramanachim was saying, this is happening in the hundreds and thousands, this is a Makkas Medina. So to use the old Mesorah of preserving the Kedusha Vitaira of Kal Yisrael by not talking about this is, is foolish. And that's why there was no opposition in speaking about these things openly today because the Masora only was for the particular time period that the, the exposure was minimal. Now that the exposure is so great, you're doing a terrible disservice uh, to your Talmidim, to Klal Yisrael at large by not speaking about this. And even boys who are not exposed, they have to know what's out there enough that they should never bump into something and get stuck. I mean, just like we teach our children about uh, not getting touched by someone, issues of molestation. We protect them from things that might happen. Someone offers you candy, all these different things. We have to, in a general way, teach a pure kid. You might see something that, uh, that, you're, not, that you're not gonna know what it is. You, you, you can feel comfortable uh, speaking to mommy and Abba about it. You should feel comfortable. You shouldn't feel ashamed. We have to navigate the world we're living in to protect the Kedusha Vitara of this generation. Okay, Stark. We have so many more live questions. Let's let's get to it. You're on live. Go. Hi. Thanks. I wanted to know because I was hearing that like the spirituality is what the the Bachram are really seeking and the men are seeking. So, as someone that has a spouse who's addicted to pornography or the computer or whatever, what can they do for them if they're not searching for the 
the safer. They're not looking for in the right places, they're stuck. So what can you do as someone who wants to help them look for the right thing because they want that instant gratification instead of really looking for what they're really, their soul is looking for. So what what can a, a spouse do for self, someone who's struggling with that? So let me ask you, is, is this person per se looking to be helped wanted want want to want to get out of this no they're so lost already in thinking that there's no problem with it and they grew so up this is a, okay so this is not something that really in a public forum i would never give personal advice but we have to we have to at least be able to have that kernel of wanting to get help you know um, and we have to be patient with it. We have to try to motivate it. Um, but at the end of the day, a person needs to want to help himself. That's the most basic level of, um, of being able to take care of yourself is that real feeling like I want to get help. And we can just offer it, just tamuru kitov Hashem. There's a whole beautiful world of being clean in these things, but we have to be patient also. Uh, it could be that someone like this will hit a very low point, and from that low point, will feel like, okay, Adkan. And at that moment, that will be like a, a great moment in his life where he will end up uh, realizing that he needs, uh, he needs help. And, you know, we'll mention this, you know, with, with uh, addicts who are husbands, you know, it's so painful for them. Um, every milestone, when they have a bris of a child, they feel like I have a bris and I'm still an addict. When they marry off a kid, I married off a kid and I'm still an addict. They're carrying a lot, a lot of pain. And we need to really be patient with them. And we need to daven like, and open up the shamayim that they should see that they need help. Uh, that's a lot of times I try to send uh, someone who comes through in Yerushalayim or Kodesh to my desk. I try to send them to therapy. The therapist sends them back. So how could you send them back? Said he's not ready yet he doesn't realize it so at a certain point uh there's going to be a point of uh of ad kan and then be'ezus hashem we should see by all of these suffering souls that they will they will come back in full force to uh take care of their issues professionally and then stark what could rabbi stark what could you say to this okay you have a spouse who's like that what or how could you mechazik yourself being the spouse that sees the other spouse like themselves? That's a, that, that's a very important question. The answer is that addiction is a holy nefesh. And just like we should have sympathy, no one ever, when, when someone has a physical illness, we all feel bad for them. We all understand what they're going through and we all are sympathetic. Sometimes when it comes to these things, people don't realize that addiction is a holy nefesh and they're not, properly sympathetic. We have to support these women and we have to show them that, and we have to support these addicts and show them that we value them as people, that they're great people. They're just trapped. They're trapped. And just like someone who has Yana Machla, everybody's helping in this and that and davening. If someone has an addiction, they deserve the same amount of sympathy, perhaps even more because in their core, they're suffering. Someone who's only physically sick their neshama and their own sense of self-worth is not is not is not being affected but in this type of thing it really is 
in the in the addiction world, in the same way the they need to go for professional help, the spouse also goes for Al-Anon or whatever it is. So until they hit the rock bottom and are ready to come back, there there is help out there that the spouse should go to in the to help in the situation. Okay, Rabbi Stark. Yes. Okay, next live question, Duran. Uh, yeah, hi, me? Yeah, you. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm bringing a different perspective. I'm a parent. My son is in his early 20s. He's in yeshiva. He's, when he's in yeshiva, he's learning. But when he's not in yeshiva, he's hooked to his phone. Um, I've tried to speak to him, you know, like for his neshama. And he, it's not a filter phone. I don't like no reb, no Rebbe has ever spoken to him because nobody realizes that he has that he's doing that because he's not doing it in yeshiva. He's doing it when he's home. He's doing it, you know, when he's not not in yeshiva. And he just doesn't. He's not accepting. And I, I try to do it in a positive way, like you know, trying to help you with you. You know, it's for your neshama and. Like you're going to start going out and what kind of girl do you want? You don't want to have, what kind of home do you want? You don't want that kind of home, but it's falling on deaf ears and I really don't know what to do. What's he responding to, to what you're saying? How's he responding? What's he saying? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I know, I know, but that's it. Nothing. He doesn't do any action. He gives me like the lip service. Yeah. I don't want to filter. I don't want to filter on my phone. It messes up my whole phone. I once went to tag. It wasn't good. That's what he told me. I, I can't get him to do anything. You know what? Um, this is a very important question. It, it is a personal question. However, a lot of times as parents, we're very stuck. We need someone, a mentor or somebody, a role model outside the family sometimes uh, to, to work with a, a boy who's suffering from these things. Sometimes it's just the parental relationship that can't activate it. Um, it's always good to see if there are ways that behind the scenes, you know, we can get somebody from the outside to introduce into something. Sometimes with parents, we just shut off. But uh, I'm not sure uh, because it sounds like, uh, again, a boy who's not interested uh, in, it's very good that you have such a, a um, open relationship with your son though. Uh, it's very rare. That he's able, you know, you're able to talk with him like that and be open with him. But I do think that you should maybe look for somebody on the outside, uh, and then it's just like, okay, mom, you know, and it's something, something that that will come from the outside that'll hit him in a way that that won't be from within the family. Okay, Rabbi Stark, let's go to the next live question. Hold on one second. Hi, you're on. So this question is really more about um, the way girls are taught about, you know, men's titles, meets or hara. So as a physiatrist and seminary educated person now married, I found the flaw in the way that girls are taught about status with regards to men and eventually marriage. I'm taught a lot about refinement. Hi, right, well, 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 well. just a drop slower. You're going very fast. Drop slower and a little clearer. Sure, sorry. Okay, so as a physiatrist and seminary educated person who's now married, 
I found the flaw in the way that girls are taught about status in regard to men and eventually marriage. We're taught a lot about refinement and sensitivities, short haircuts and shade dolls and not so trendy clothing, not crazy high heels without jewelry. Um, and in regards to men, it's totally have a massive face of horror and you don't want to make any head turn. You don't want to put a, you know, say, even let's say Michelle, Michelle is a thing that I heard a lot in seminary. Um, but when I got married, my husband wanted me to have a longer wig than my shoulder length haircut. And this is not like crazy long, like just different than their life. Um, and, you know, dress more me, not conservative and dull that, you know, the basic girls are taught to stay in. And slowly but surely, I realized that certain things that I wanted to do to be refined, you know, like I was taught, went against the whole, you know, quote unquote, only for your husband attitude to put a lot of these So, you know, like for your husband, only for your husband, X, Y, Z. Um, you know, meaning he's the only one who matters. So obviously you should do the things for him. But I'm just, I'm just curious where the fine line is. I'm say, you know, I'm told to my son with him that it's not status and you can't make another head, man's head turn, you know, by dressing this way or whatever. But shouldn't you want to make it your husband? So what is the refinement doing in the sense of marriage? So it, it is a very valid point. I, it's not fully our topic here, even though it is Figado, we're talking about the Sugi of Kedusha. However, it's true, what you're saying is right. The sugya is different in the dynamic between a husband and wife. And that's why, even though there's these overarching generalizations for Bakram in yeshiva and for girls in seminary, things do get more complex as you end up with the dynamic of a husband and wife. And that's why we need like converging with a moradera for the husband and wife together. You have to sort of like build a, 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 a sense of vision and Hadraka through, through, through a Rav, through a Moradarech, that's be dealing with your particular issues, with your bias. Um, and and Bedavka, not to both of you, just like the husband shouldn't run around with the banner of his yeshiva and the, and the seminary girl shouldn't run around with her banner, you have to find a bridge that creates that shalom of understanding the dynamic of husband and wife. That's only done through a Moradarech after marriage to sort of construct what the idea of Tznias and Kedusha is in a home when, when there are two people instead of one. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go to one more. Okay, sorry, you're on. Okay, yeah, hi. I have, to leave, I have to leave at 11 here. I'm at work. I'm just curious, do you think that uh, part of the reason um, maybe for the, you know, this rampant, uh, I guess, uh, Tuma might be just, it has a mystique about it, you know, it reminds me when I was a kid, you know, the cool kids smoked, the cool kids did all these dangerous things, you know, so is there like a way to, I mean, is that something that you encounter a certain mentality that they just, you know, it just makes, somehow makes you sophisticated and the, you know, you, you, you know, otherwise you're this nerd. Yeah, is there a way maybe, I don't know, maybe to desensitize people to uh, the attractions of certain things? Uh, Yes, you know, in particular, you know, when dealing with young people, the levels of maturity, you know, mm -hmm. a young kid wanting to fit in, he goes for a sleepover to his friend's yeah. house and, and the friend is suggesting to watch something that he never did before. He's not usually going to turn him down. I find that probably the most, the, the, the strongest influence in, it's, in Chazal, we see it with our own eyes, is friends. Friends, especially for a teenager, the entire world revolves around the influence of friends. Mm -hmm. And and friends are, if a person doesn't have friends, it's very hard for them to shtag in yeshiva. If a person mm -hmm. has good friends, he's in good shape. 
friends are very, very important. Um, and they end up making decisions, not from Taiva, but mm -hmm. simply because of peer pressure. But this stuff is so powerful that mm -hmm. once you're stuck in it, it doesn't matter if you got there because of friends. Just like somebody can end up addicted to cigarettes or drugs, Rahman al-Islam, mm -hmm. starting from peer pressure. But once it has a hold on a person, uh, then, then he's in big trouble. And this is why we really have to be mechanich. Uh, we have to be um, very open with our kids about the dangers of all of this type of um, material, what it can do to you. So that if a kid comes up with, with this, he's offered it by his friends, he'll know that this is not where I want to go. Again, without getting into the details of what it is, you just tell your kid at a young age that there are things you might not understand that have to do with men and women that can come up on the internet. If you mm -hmm. ever see them, tell us, we'll help you. A feeling mm -hmm. like we're on your team. So mm -hmm. many boys and girls end up stuck in a pattern for 10 years, all because they were ashamed to come back to their parents because they were worried that the reaction would be, uh, it's a terrible Avera I did. How could a child who's below the age of Bar Mitzvah or Bas Mitzvah have done any Avera? especially of this sophistication, how could they be afraid to, to go to their parents? Um, and even after Bar Mitzvah, even, you know, we're, we're talking about um, the, the age of Chatis Ne'urim. Chatis Ne'urim, the Radak writes, is at age 20. Until age 20, there's Chatis Ne'urim. Actually, Rav David Kohn, when he reviewed the Sefer in, he, in the Hebrew adaptation, the thing that he told me afterwards was that this was a Meridika Radak that says that at age 20 uh, is the beginning of really establishing yourself fully. The Maral actually says between the age of 18 and 20. And he said this should be machazic people that at these younger ages of life, it's really confusing to create a proper value system. And the Chattas Ne'urim come, Rabbeinu Yonah writes from a lack of das, a lack of development and a raging Yetzirah. So that means that friends could really uh, cause a lot of the major decisions that we're making over here. Okay, Rabbi Stark, the million dollar question. You ready? Million dollar question. Here we go. Million dollar question. Here we go. What types of values can we instill in our youth, boys and girls, that can possibly combat the incredible Yetzirah for all the Schwartz that's out there today? What can we do that could to do that? Is Rabbi Stark here? Did I lose him? Did I, did I lose him? He popped off. He popped off. It was a million dollar question, that's why. <laughs> okay, Menachem, so you answer the question. What's the question what, again? What type of values can we install in, instill in our youth, boys and girls, that can possibly combat the incredibly HR? What can we do for this? Uh, I'm not going to answer the question because we're going to wait until Rabbi Stark gets on, but I know Rabbi Stark has, has a lot of um, values that he talks about a lot that we have to teach. But until he comes on, I do want to discuss that there's a lot of um, either relearning or unlearning that we pick up when we're very young. And uh, especially if someone's exposed, they pick up ideas and they need to be unlearned. That's number one. And then like we discussed till now, if somebody doesn't feel good about himself, they look out in other places to have some connection. So the real question is how to build our youth, how to build ourselves to know who we are. And that's going to bring us to our values, but to really, to really deep down 
believe that we have a, a mission where we belong, you know, as Jews. And, and that should give us the strength. So then we do, when we do, when we don't have a filter, you know, hopefully we all have filters, but when we don't have a filter or you're on the street and there is an opening, so you, you know who you are, you're not gonna get lost. So that's really what takes us into the values. And, um, but I think it's it, a lot of self-esteem, of believing in yourself. Yeah. All of these things, welcome back. Okay, thank you. I, I'm not used to technology, even though my, my device was plugged in, but it ran out of battery. <laughs> Rabbi Stark, so was it because it was too much Kedusha, too much Kedusha. Was it because it was the million dollar question? You said that's it, it's too much? <laughs> can okay, we repeat? I'll read, I'll read it again. I'll read it again. Yeah. Gave, gave, a whole thing, gave a whole pre before, before you can answer. Bottom line, the topic of the year, what, can, what types of values can we install in our children, boys and girls? that can possibly combat the incredibly of all the stuff that they have to deal with in today's generation. Bottom line, okay. what This is the million dollar question. So let's go, let's do this. Um, I wanna it talk about- It takes about, us like an hour and a half to get to the million dollar question. We have to like build up. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna talk about uh, for uh, age groups uh, because when you're dealing with people, you have, to, uh, you have to be able to know where they are in life. I wanna first talk about the age of 18 to 21. 2021. That's the boys coming to Eretz Yisrael. That's, I guess, my expertise. Uh, and the morale says that it's not by coincidence that Ben Shmoyne Estrei and Ben Esrim is kind of like the buzzer. It's called Tipogatz Mosev. You should have been married already. Obviously, we wait longer, but the morale says that the age of 20, Ben Esrim Lirdoif, the age of 20 is the time where you run, you take action, you're proactive, you stop blaming your Rebbe, your parents, and you man up and say, I don't want to be a loser. I don't want to be a failure. I want to take responsibility for myself. The morale says that this begins at the age of 18. When a person's bench they start thinking in this way of being more proactive. And that's the time when people are thinking about marriage. And we should capitalize on that because they're ripe for values about marriage. I think that from 16 and 17, this might be a little bit too young because, you know, they, they feel like they're still in high school and they don't have that issue. But in terms of what, what let's say, pornography is doing to marriages, you know, the, the beauty of Rav Yitzhak Berkowitz wrote in his Haskama, it's Kedai to read it, people were copying his Haskama as a, as a Chibur Bifneatzmo because it was just so well written and so important. He writes there that, you know, in the, in, in the old days, even the, Avar, the Avaryanim, even the people who were causing trouble, had like ideas of romance and love. Uh, you know, even if it was boyfriend, girlfriend, which is, which is nus. But at the end of the day, um, the idea of relationships was still there. The vast majority of pornography that's out there is bizarre. In fact, when I ask Bachrim, what, how you would describe we should do a poll on this. But uh, if I ask Bachman, what's the most, like, what's the most common reaction of what pornography is? What do you think the word they use is? Disturbing. Disturbing, which is a pella. It's a pella. It shows the Kedusha of Kalitzo. They, they know they're seeing something bizarre. And like one of the, the ladies who came on was saying, you know, 
it's powerful stuff, but it's not powerful because of the fact that this is something they ever would have wanted. So now what happens? This poor guy, he's trying to learn about uh, relationships between men and women. He's exposed to violence. He's exposed to men and women and all sorts of bizarre scenarios uh, that are not real life, that have nothing to do with kirva. There's a sugya in Nedarim that says that when someone has a child of b'nei teisha midos, of nine, nine, nine ways of not being allowed to have intimacy according to the Torah, the children will be monsters. What are those t- scenarios? When people hate each other is one of them. Anger. So I'm thinking to myself, why did the Gemara write about this? Who in their right minds would express love at a time of anger or when they're, when they're, when they're hating each other? Do you know that the most popular forms of pornography are with violence and hate? Why? Because the lumdus is, this is not a relationship. We'll prove it to you because people could be angry at each other. They could be violent. And it's, it's the way of the base medrash of Bilam to try to take away all the beauty and kedusha and connection that someone's supposed to have in their marriage. So now they come to a marriage and they think like it's some sort of strange uh, film. And that's the greatest pachad that you could instill in an 18-year-old is you will not be able to have real connection. The greatest gift that Hashem gave, Bain Ishla Ishta, will not be experienced because you're 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 you're, you're looking at people as slabs of meat. Rahman al Islam. And uh, it's it's very important for Bahram, and they're very receptive to this because it makes a lot of sense. Right? Bakudi Hashem Yisharim, the Torah is straight. I, I love the fact that there's a chazal for everything. These B'nai Teshem Midas, person should go over the Gemara Nadarim and see that the entire pornography, pornography industry is based on B'nai Teshem Midas. It's showing you that you do not need to have a relationship or care about somebody to be able to connect. And that is the biggest sheker that is out there in the world. So that's the first value. And that's a little bit heavy, but that's the other one is the value of being able to have eyes only for one woman. It's such a beautiful thing when someone only thinks about their Asha style. The Sefer Achina writes that the whole tachlis of Shonari Shona is to be able to feel like your wife is the only one for you. That's why you spend a whole year alone, even play board games together at night in order to feel like there's only one for me. If somebody f- thinks that they can just wander around for years with you know, looking at the world like a beauty pageant, and then all of a sudden be settled in their own home, they're dreaming. But if they realize at this formidable age of 18 that they can make moves, by the time they're coming to their chasana, it's true, like Rabbi Menachem said, they're carrying baggage. There's baggage from all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, it's just baggage. Their hashkafas are straight. They're, 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 they're doing the proper things that they're supposed to be doing, and they will have a successful and beautiful marriage. Of course, people get damaged, but it's just a little bit of damage. You know, if somebody goes 90 miles an hour into a brick wall and they only come out with a minor limp, I would, I would dance, you know, from the miracle. And it's just a minor limp for these boys. So I would tell you that here is the time to discuss things that are not pornography. It's a little bit controversial, but there are certain sites out there that tell you when everybody gets engaged, uh, whenever there's a somebody who gets engaged and they show you pictures of the chasen and kala. Um, that's very nice if you're a photographer and you want to practice photography and look at a million pictures and see 
uh, who makes good pictures. But for Bachrim and for girls, this is destroying their understanding of having only eyes for themselves. Why should a, why should a, a Bachar or a girl be looking at someone else's chasen or kala? Nothing to do with them. Go to the Vart, wish them a mazel tov and go home. We become obsessed with other people's lives and this is a form of znus. It's a gateway to all of the, the toma that's out there. And it's, it seems like it's very fine. It's not okay at all. It's, it's one of the Aseris Adibros of Los Achmon. The Rabbanu Shalom put it as the top 10 is not to be jealous of someone. Any regular healthy person, when they see a, a chassan with their beautiful kala and starts going through what happened that day, could become depressed. And you know, don't think that married guys don't go on there and say, oi, maybe I made a mistake. We have to teach the boys that there's nothing richer and the girls than just having eyes for your own homes. And the more we cultivate that value, uh, the more they'll be successful. Those are two um, marriage points. <clears throat> so far, Rabashers, that's that's what you had in mind. I have one more I could probably do if you want. Uh... No, we have all the time in the world. The next one is just understanding that you represent something. It's what we call a shame toiv. You know, there's something very strange. It's a Rashi in Sota and Daflamabam base. What got Yosef out of the, um, the Nisayan with Aishas Potiphar? We know that, of course, Yaakov Avinu appeared to Yosef, but he gave him a message. He said that your name will be on the ephod of the Kohen Gadol, on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol. All the Shvatim were listed there. Your name will be taken off if you do this Avera, and you'll be Ya'abed Kolhon. You'll lose all your wealth. Says Rashi, what will you lose, Yosef, if you're Nechshel over here? Your shame tov, your, your reputation. What's Rashi talking about? What's, this is the motivation to get somebody out of a moment without filters, right? Yosef's in a moment without filters. What saves him? That he has a shame tov. And this, we, we've been bleeding from this, from various things that have been going on in Kal Yisrael, of people who lost their good name for these areas. A shame tov is not what people think about you. It's who you really are, what you represent. Yosef Atzarek was in a moment of being alone and he had to ask himself, is this my value system? What do I represent? And as one of the Bakram who called in said, it's about having a sense of knowledge who you are, a sense of confidence. You know, when I grew up, my parents always said, remember you're a Stark. I don't exactly know what it means to be a Stark, but we always said Starks do big things. And you carry this around. I'm a Stark. I do this. And, and when you have a shame, you can do tremendous things. One of my Rabbeim, who's a big brisker, he wanted to adapt all of the brisker chumras. Um, and he's, you know, he went to brisk for many, many years, 15 years. He wanted to adapt the chumras. And a big gadol said, no, you can't do that. You can't adapt them for your family. He said, why? He says, if you're a Soloveitchik and you have chumras, you feel, oh, I'm a Soloveitchik. And then you can do all the chumras because you feel great, like you're representing salvation. Because your family, they're not going to feel like anything. They're just going to feel like losers that they're being machmer over everybody else. Without a name, a person doesn't have a sense of strength. And uh, we have to realize that this also goes on parents. I'm now going to say the most painful part of this, uh, of this session, which is the most painful thing for me is when I, uh, I've encountered at least at this point, six times, 
children who caught their parents on pornography. This is a crushing moment for a child because dad had that shame tobe. I mean, we can talk about what goes on in the newspapers, but those things are, you know, those are just widespread. What about something that goes on in the newspaper of the house where a son goes through the history of his father uh, in, on his phone that he forgot to delete or something of the sort, um, and sometimes even the mother and his whole, his whole value system how he looked at his parents is just shattered. Uh, that's a motivation for Bakram, my friends. I've noticed that when I tell this to Bakram, they say, I don't want to be such a father. I want to be a father that you can open every drawer in my house and not find something strange. You can check all my books. You'll see that I'm an Erlich Yid through and through. I want to be there for my wife and kids, completely transparent. Transparency is from the greatest assets that we can, and midos that we can have in this generation. This is the generation that could get away with locking itself in the bathroom for a half hour, saying it's indigestion, but just being, you know, it's movie night. Uh, so it's a generation that can get away with being very private and create, showing them the ugliness of being two-faced, of being like what they call a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde living in two worlds at the same time. It's ugly for anyone and no one wants to keep a trend like that going. But by the way, just for the record, with everyone thinking that they can hide everything today, you know, going into a bathroom, locking the door for a half hour, everything today is recorded in a way that when they find us, not us, not anyone on here, but when they find them who are doing things wrong, all of it's recorded. They will have a, you know, a, a hours and hours of material, the access, the cameras that are in every place in the world today. You know, you can, you can just, when you find that you need to catch somebody today, you can catch them in a way that you never could have before. Everything's documented. So in a world where people think they have complete privacy, it's actually the opposite. When, when the Rabboni Shalom shows you that it's mamish like a Yom Adin, that all of this has been recorded. Okay, there's so much more to get to. Um, we have another live question. Let's get to that. And then I have a few other ones that I really want to cover tonight. You're on. Hi. Um, okay, so my question, um, we touched a little bit on um, the fact that we need to be more open about um, this topic. So as far as education, right? So right. I'm in the 12-step um, world. I'm a member of Essanon um, for our spouses of sex addicts. So obviously this topic is talked about a lot. Um, and it seems like the common denominator, both for, for sure for the spouses, for the husbands, but then even for the Essanoners is what kept a lot of people in the problem um, is shame, is the fact that they're the, they think that they're the only ones. Um, and then that, that obviously makes them feel horrible about themselves. And they're such a bad person already, why try to stop? So like, how could we talk about this, especially with teenagers, girls, because um, again, for boys, I think it's it's almost cool. Like, well, all boys are players. All boys um, are into this stuff. But for girls, where they think they're the only ones that have a dirty mind, let's say, um, how do we help them? How do we talk about it openly enough to invite them that if there is an issue, you can talk about it? So this is a, a very important question. It's basically geared towards women. Is that what I'm understanding? I'm assuming that it's just for women. Is that yeah, correct? She got muted. Let me just unmute her. One second. I'm here. 
Yeah. Okay. Um. It, so it's real. It's really for both. But I see it more with um. Let's say other Eshenon members where it was never discussed. It was not uh, like the only um area that was discussed around this is what we could do pre to prevent men from sloping. Not that okay. we ourselves might have a taiva. So I want to talk about first men and then I'll come to women and it's all really the same thing. A lot, you know, you're saying that all men are players, but you know, it's true men are have a different a different set of taivas, but there are men who are suffering from the very same thing. In fact, it used to be that when somebody did something very wrong in these areas, they were a rebellious kid. Today we're finding that the best boys in yeshiva are stuck in these things. So now imagine, you know, someone's carrying this with themselves. They don't know they really feel they're the only one because they're actually the top in their shear. And they think among their chevro who are learning the Reb Chaims and the Reb Kiva Egers, uh, they're alone also. And Dafka, what's happening today, because it's not an issue of Averis, like we said in the introduction, but it's a to this generation that at the age of 11, children were exposed. All of the best of Klal Yisrael, all of the top of Klal Yisrael, and I don't like using the word the top because we're all top. All of Kali Sol's top. But everybody is in this together because it's not something that they did because they wanted to be rebellious. They bumped into this powerful stuff. So that's for the boys and the women too. You know, the Machanchim know how many women are suffering from this. I can tell you, um, again, Yushalayim is a place where all converges. There are so many women. And I don't, I don't meet with women, and I also don't give shirim to women. That's part of just um the way I do things. Everyone has their own way of doing things, but I very much hear uh, the pain of women and I'm aware of women who are suffering. We, we're here now tonight to really um, announce to everyone who's suffering in silence that you're not alone. There are, there are hundreds or thousands of people who are grappling with these issues and shame is, is misplaced over here because there's nothing to be ashamed about. If a person robs a bank, they should be ashamed. If a person does uh, it does a rebellious act of znus, they should be ashamed. If a person fell into something that was available to them at a very young age, or even at a later age, and they, they don't know how to wrap their heads around it, they need chizuk, and they need to be told that they're good because they are good. And, and the more they understand that, the more they're validated. Addictions today, which again is a clinical issue, are rampant. And therefore, uh, there needs to be real sympathy for addicts and the spouses of addicts because this is a holy nefesh, just as we said before, just like we have sympathy for people who have physical uh, sicknesses, kalvachomer, someone who's struggling in their panemius should deserve the same, if not more, uh, sympathy and support. Okay, Rabbi Sparkin, a few questions I want to get to tonight that came in that I think are very important, but uh, let's, let's try to cover them. Hi, Rabbi. I'm 15 years old. I watch all kinds of movies, Netflix, TikToks, the inappropriate stuff. I understand we talk about how bad this is, blah, blah, blah. But the whole world watches these types of things. And really, I don't understand what the big deal is. Let me have my teenage mistakes. And maybe one day I'll decide it's time to stop when I feel like I'm ready. Can Rabbi please explain to me more in detail why it's so bad as, as they make it? What's the big deal? Wow. So I can tell this. About, I want to clarify. It's not talking about pornography. It's talking about just... Netflix, right. movies, you know. You know, I can tell this was uh, written by a 15-year-old, which I appreciate. Which you know, part? The, 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 the blah, blah, blah? Which part? Blah, blah, blah was one part of it. 
um, but also the whole world. It's like, you know, my kids always tell me everybody got this toy or everybody has a electric scooter. And then I start calling the parents, but he is right. The whole world, what he means to say is the whole world is on Netflix. The whole world is in the schmutz. And what I would tell this young man, I don't know how mature he is um, because 15 year olds is a, is a time when uh, you're not as mature, but we're speaking as a group. So it's not just to an individual, but, um, but we're speaking to a, a group over here. And um, really I would tell him that Klal Yisrael were in Mitzrayim and the whole world was involved in Znus. The, the whole world. And we were Loshinu Eshmam. We didn't change our names. We didn't change our Lavush. The whole purpose of Klal Yisrael is to be in places where the whole world is doing one thing and we're doing another. I'm sure this 15 year old has sang the song Ivri Anoch, right? If he hasn't seen the Chazal, he's for sure heard the song Ivri Anoch. Ivri Anochi, right, it might have been said by uh, Yonah, but it was originally said by Avram Avinu, that he was on the Aver Hanar, he was on the other side. Everybody's doing one thing, and they, and Klal Yisrael, do the other thing. And we have to be proud of this. We have to understand that this is our greatness, ultimately. This is what makes us special. And we have to be Amamleches Kohanim Vigoy Kadash. You know, um, this also goes into the area of drinking and, and, and drugs, marijuana. Today, you know, everybody's doing it. Legalization has caused all these problems. It used to be in terms of um, marijuana, it was illegal. Now it's legal, so everybody's doing it, right? So now all of a sudden, brownies pop up at uh, Kiddushes, right? Rahman al-Islam, Klal Yisrael has always been in a society that has been messed up, that doesn't have the proper values. And they've never been influenced that way. Uh, drinking, uh, you know, the, the older generation had an expression, a shikr is a good, right? They would know that that's what, they would pass by pubs and they would see these low lives. So what, why are these things coming to us? Because we're not proud of being yidden. We're not realizing our goal here is to go against the tide, go against what the entire world is doing and show them that there's still Kedusha. That's why the whole world is doing this, so that there could still be a kernel of truth to Klal Yisrael. So to my dear 15-year-old, I would say it's time to grow up. It's time to realize that you're bigger than you think and that if you're going to bring rayas from the whole world, you're going to sink to their tumma because the whole world is very small and you're very big. Okay, Shkoyach. We'll get to the next one over here. It's a very, very, very good question. And uh, I want to see how Rabbi Stark's going to handle this one. We grew up in from homes, but with completely unfiltered internet and Baruch Hashem over the years with the education, encouragement of yeshivas and seminaries made big changes in our lives regarding filtering and relating to technology. How can we protect our children from being exposed as we were? How can we protect our children from being as exposed as we were? Is there, any, is there any way to help them not need to make the same mistakes that our generation went through? Okay, so I would say that, that you should use your experiences as an asset. You know, um, a lot of times people are ashamed of what they went through in life. And obviously when it comes to um, mistakes that we made, we're not proud of them. However, uh, people develop and people grow and if you're open with your kids about the fact that you used to have open internet, you used to be exposed to these things, but you realized that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is good, his Torah is good, and that the whole reason you established your home this way is so that they wouldn't have to suffer through, your children would not have to suffer through the same mistakes as you did. If they respect you, 
they will go along with it. Again, we have to earn the respect of our children, right? If they feel that their parents are that level of respect, and again, we said with influences of friends, friends are very powerful. But at the end of the day, having gone through something means you're seeing it from the other side. You're not just saying it from hearsay, you're saying it from experience. There's a, a beautiful shtickle from the Sam Derek, or Simchas about Yisrael. He says that it seems like Chazal openly say that he was uh, fattening um, cows for Avodah Zarah. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, not a nice thing to say. Putiel, you know, let's try to downplay it. He's a tzaddik. Or we find he was Kohen Midyam, like he was a priest. According to many Rishonim, means a priest. Like, let's downplay that. But the answer is Yisro represented the searcher. He was somebody who had done every Avodah Zarah in the book. And ultimately, that was his... Uh, that was his greatness, was that he now, coming from the other side, uh, saw Tamuru Kitov Hashem, and it meant more. So we don't ask people to make mistakes in life. We don't ask people to start on the other side. But when they do, it's a very big tool. You know, sometimes you hear uh, a priest, someone who used to be a priest, and now he's in Or Sameach. People love to hear, he's a surfer in Malibu, and now he's an Erlich Yid. Right? It's exciting because those experiences now turned into a process of depth. So let's capitalize on them as much as we can. Rabbi Stark, from, from your experience, um, the boys that come into you, I'm just wondering if somebody is, does, is exposed and they watch, how do they know if they need professional help or if Musr and, and the Derek is enough? So this, this, again, this point comes from the constant failures of very well-meaning and very good Bakram. They keep trying and trying. They keep going from Ben Asmanim to Ben Asmanim. And they keep reading Divrei Torah and Chizok, keep hearing Shmuzin. They're on guard your eyes. They're doing everything and anything they possibly can. And they keep stumbling. So at that point, they might want to question, if I'm such a good boy, which I am, and I'm trying so hard, why do I keep stumbling? At that point, a person can say, you know, maybe there's something here that's not shayach to Yiddishkeit. Maybe there's something here that needs professional assistance. So it's the constant, despite the very deep desire to change and deep motivation to change, but still just not being able to, uh, not being able to get it together. However, one thing I would say, which is, it's a very common thing for Mbena Zmanim, for Bachrim who were doing very well in this man, to all of a sudden they get home and they're not doing well. You know, uh, they start falling very quickly. So a lot of that, they might think, whoa, what's wrong with me? Uh, you know, like I was doing so well in this man. A lot of it's because of the shock of being back in the place where they did these things so much. We, you know, homes used to be a very safe place. And now today for Bachrim, a home is a place where they know you know, their kid sister's iPad, they know how to get through the Xbox. Uh, the, the parents are trying very hard, but they don't know how to make their house as safe as possible. So the, the kids feel more at home, Rahman al-Islam, in Averas when they're home. So it might not be because of an addiction, it might be because of the fact that they didn't think in yeshiva about, I'm going home. What am I going to confront at home? New experiences that I have not had in yeshiva and now I've been working to try to envision home and see what I can do. I tell many boys uh, to keep their technology out of their room. 
meaning in their home, to do different takbulas, not to go into the bathroom with devices. Uh, these are things that if just by adding these kabbalas, they could be, again, we talked about filters and siad Torah. Sometimes these small things can make a successful benazmanim for someone. Uh, just adding a few navigational tools inside the home. So I would say to boys who are frustrated about constant failures at home, to really talk about home with their abeim during the zman, devise a plan, and then if there continually be, is a pitfall, one after another, after all that, maybe to seek professional uh, uh, guidance. And if somebody decides he doesn't want to have all these problems, so he doesn't let any technology in his house, so that his house is technology-free, so he doesn't have all these problems, does that work? So not, what not, I would not, like... He just doesn't pay the electric bill. He has no electric. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say a few things. First of all, I, I would say that they'll be shocked. Whoever these, uh, these people are, they'll be shocked that they probably do have technology in their house and they didn't realize. You know, it's unbelievable. They probably have a, have a camera for Simchas and they had no idea that you could get onto the internet with that. So today, um, it's even the people who think they have a technology-free home uh, might not. And second of all, you know, it comes with a price. If you're going to have a house where people feel very, very stifled and they see that everybody else has embraced the, uh, the positives of technology and we're still in the dark ages, I'm not saying that that's not admirable uh, for somebody who can do it, but kids could resent it. And the resenting, just like you have these dentists who don't let their kids have candy. But we all know when they go for Shabbos to their friends, they're the ones eating the most candy. Uh, you know, and their teeth could rot away just from going, going to, to, to get the Rebbe's candies at Cheder and at, at, at Elvis Uvanim. So we need to really make sure that we're not depriving our children of being part of this generation. Um, if they're happy with it, but realize what we're up against. Rabbi Stark, I'm going to put together two questions because I think there's a very there's a similarity, even though they're coming from two different angles. Is that okay? Absolutely. I'll read the first one. Um, I do well in the in the realm of kedusha during the yeshiva's man when I'm fully immersed in yeshiva and I don't have easy access to technology challenges of my parents' home. But when I go home for Beit Hazmanim, everything seems to fall apart. Is there anything I, I could do? So basically, a bocher when he's in the good positive place, he's good. When he has access, he goes home Beit Hazmanim, he starts falling down into these Indian kedusha. The second question is from a married man. I'm a man in my 30s. Every day is the grind. I find myself having good streaks and then sometimes really bad ones. And we watch sometimes basically X-rated type of movies, pornographic stuff. I feel like in a constant roller coaster. How could I get a healthier approach on my issue Why I'm still struggling at the age of 30? Will this ever get any easier? Am I, I'm, am, am I the only one like this? I could still remember my mashkiach in 10th grade telling me, don't worry, one day the struggle will be behind you. And then I look in the mirror and I see it's the same 10th grader. So it's a little bit more aggressive, the second question, but also the same thing, he, you know, this, this Tukufas, he's doing better, Tukufas is doing worse. So any Mahalach, like when people are going through, they're having struggles with this, the Indian of Kedusha and Shemir Sanayim, what they're watching, they feel like maybe they're falling depressed or they're, they're, they have more time on their hands. So any like... Well, right, it sounds like, let's, you know, we did the Bain Asmatim question, but we could still add to it, which is like, you can't avoid home. Like, um, home is home. You know, if you can't deal with home, then you're not gonna be matzliach. There's no such thing as running away from home, right? So we have to be able to deal with home. What I would tell somebody, you know, one of the most powerful stories that happened to me as a machanich was there was a bachar who was suffering from use of 
of uh, pornography and these things, and he very much wanted out, but he wasn't ready to uh, give up other things. You know, he wasn't ready to just like have a, you know, a fully limited phone and all these things. And I talked to him about it. I said, what are you, you know, what, what do you want? You know, what, what would you want over Benazman? And again, this has to be done with a proper Moridar, but he was somebody who would say, listen, I want to watch TV shows. So I said, TV shows are very compromised. He says, well, there's something called cartoons. And today cartoons are not the way they were in my day. They're like, there could be like more mature cartoons. I said, well, do you have a cartoon that's, that's more clean? Uh, and he said, yeah. I said, so you know what? Over this bin as modern, let's make a Kabbalah. Again, everyone needs their own Moridarach, but real Yerushalayim means teaching people a moral compass. And um, like Rabbi Yisrael Salanter had a son who went off the Darach and he wrote him a letter how to eat on Yom Kippur without being Chayav Karis, how to eat Pachos Migdashir. Real Yerushalayim is when someone's not fully there to navigate with them what they will do and what they won't do. He ended up watching cartoons over Ben Asmanim, and he wrote a poem after Ben Asmanim about being freed from, from pornography. So what I would say is the problem that today is that everything's so available that as soon as a person ends up on, on a device that's not filtered properly, their, their, their natural tendency is to go to the worst of the worst. Slow down, buddy. You may not be a Malach Hashem Svakas yet. You may not be ready to commit entirely, but let's go over. Is this worth it? Let's be mamayed over here. Let's try to make a pshara with the Yetzirah so that we don't end up at the worst of the worst. Uh, you, we can't avoid home and we can't avoid this availability and we have to create a certain moral compass for ourselves. And in terms of the 30-year-old, the um, you know, there is a group like this of 30-year-olds who, uh, who are, are suffering greatly. And um, it's, it's, the truth is that there wasn't so much material available for people or guidance, but we have to now roll up our sleeves. We're now here. You know, I say that why was my safer so widely accepted by the Gedolim? Not because it was on time, because it was about five to 10 years late. If it was on time, the safer, it wouldn't have been the Skabal because it would have been a Nizan. Today, the safer was so late that everyone was asking, where has it been until now? So what I would say is a 30-year-old could have used um, more Hadracha and didn't have the opportunity. Many, many married men find that my safer can make them sad because it has the optimism of being a young bacher. Um, even though the messages are for everyone, but it's saying you're a bacher, you're young. And I admit to that. But what I would say is yes, but these things weren't available for you then. So let's roll up our sleeves and start again at 30 and rebuild ourselves with all of the openness that we have today. Okay, Murray, the Rabbi Stark, we have so many more questions. I got to end it. We're going to go to closing, Rabbi Stark, and we want to leave off with a positive. So, chizik for everybody, because we're all, you know, we're dealing with this gullus that we're dealing with. So, uh, again, first, Agresia Shkoyach, Chaim Dov Stark, Mashkiach, Rabbi Sentish Shiva coming on tonight, giving you so much chizik. It really being Mechazik. It's a very sensitive topic, Rabbi Stark. We've done a lot of topics with this topic. Obviously, we've never covered Bechlal, and um, really thankful you came on and uh, you had the courage to come on and discuss it. It was tremendous chizik, tremendous down-to-earth advice. And there's so much more to talk about it, uh, about this in the Indian of Kedusha. Again, if anybody was here, next Sunday, we're going to have an amazing share of Daniel Katz from Eretz Yisrael again. Somebody else from Eretz Yisrael. We're discussing uh, an interesting topic as well. The coming revolution, how Torah and Yiddishkeit will respond to the vacants and spiritual experiences go more mainstream. It should be an amazing program. He was on last time. It was amazing. So please join us. 
Sunday night at 9.30 Eastern time. Again, if anybody would like to join the WhatsApp groups to get the, the flyers every Sunday to post it so people can know about the Shirim, please WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. And again, please let everybody know. I say not every Sunday night's for everybody, but it posted, let people know about it, the mishpacha, the family, the friends. Kirim Chazik, people, you have no idea who sees what and what, what they're going through. So, you know, every topic is relevant to a lot of people, but not, it might not be for you, but it's important to let people know about it. Everything tonight's recorded. I'll be on menachembernfeld.com tomorrow. If anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachemagimo.com. Tonight's share, share number 90, Tzadik. And it's going to be it'll also be on our phone lines at 848-777-GROW. A special thank you to the advertising sponsors, uh, the Lakewood Scoop, Rabbi Anif Razak, Chayla Kaufman, Shmuel Summer, JCN. And before we go to Coach Menachem for closing, then Rabbi Stark, Zevi, can you unmute? I just have two questions for you. First question, the Eilam wants to know is where they can get Rabbi Stark safer, where could they buy it online, where could they buy it in his farm stores, and about his shiurim, his podcast, his Zoom, so tell everybody how, where, what, when, and how. And Rabbi, Rabbi Stark, cell phone number and address also. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so the weekly shmuzes of the Mashkiach are uploaded by dedicated Talmidim uh, weekly on the Rabbi Stark podcast, as well as RabbiStark.com, as well as Adarasatayra.com. Dot com, um, the yeshiva's website. The Svarim, um, the first Sefer, which HaKeser uh, Kavit and Lashon HaKadosh is available, it's distributed by, uh, by Zundel Berman in America, and it's available, the link is in the chat, as well as Sefer Yisrael HaBayis, which Baruch Hashem we had the discuss of helping Mashkiach with, and is changing the world, and has been the topic of tonight, uh, is available um, on Feldheim's website as well as you know across you know uh, across across America across the world at this point in in your local Svarim stores. So if you look at the uh, at the links on the chat, you'll be able to see you'll be able to directly link to all of those uh, locations for the Shirim as well I as for the. Just, the I Christmas. just heard that there's going to be a, the Spanish edition is just finished, just finished today. So. <laughs> wow. Have your fun <laughs> wow, okay, Muridik. Okay, and does Rabbi Stark give like a live Zoom share once a week or something like that? I don't do There's... anything live uh, because in Yeshiva, we like to make the boys know that they're getting something exclusive that by the, you know, and, but, but we, we put it up as a podcast afterwards um, because uh, we, every shear is a need in what's good for the podcast. And then we also add wow. shearing for the podcast. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> Okay, let's go to Coach Menachem first for closing and Rabbi Stark. Okay, Coach Menachem. Thank you very much. And it's a, it is an honor to have Rabbi Stark on tonight uh, to cover this topic. Like Rabbi said, we've never um, discussed this topic. No, no, I'm not, I want to clarify, Menachem. We've been requested to discuss this topic multiple times. Managed. We always said, never going to happen or unless you find somebody. And then Rabbi Stark. Okay, continue. Bar Hashem. And uh, obviously there is much more. And um, you have to go out. And, and this is something that I've heard along tonight that you have to have who to talk to. Everybody's struggling in there, wherever it is. To do it by yourself can be very hard, especially like, like we heard when you're in a downer. And that's where the struggle is. And that's where you're not in a good mood. And that's where you fall. So to get yourself out in that situation is, is, is huge. So 
you do need to have a Moriderach, somebody who you, who you discuss it, and even after the Hasana, to work out, you know, like we heard, she comes with her ideas, he comes with his ideas, and everybody means Hashem, Laman Hashem. How do you work it out? So this is very important. But um, just the other thing that I want to mention that, you know, we're discussing things that, that is, is a challenge. And um, like, like we heard, it doesn't go away right away, but just to be aware, to be aware of the challenge and uh, small steps and build, build ourselves with those small steps to know our values. And with that, in Hashem, we should be able to grow. And uh, thank you again, and Baruch Hashem, we, Hashem helped us to cover this, and Hashem should continue helping us. Thank you. Thank you, Reb Nachum and Reb Asher. It's a Kiddush Hashem. You know, what happened tonight was a Kiddush Hashem. It's just showing the greatness of this generation, and that's how I want to end. It's big neshamas here. I, I speak to Bachram today. I, I, I'm aware of the girls, the ladies. Everyone wants to grow. Everyone is growing. Everyone's big today. We have to just remind them that they are not the world. Like that 15-year-old said, the whole world's doing something. We are the ones who have always carried the flag. And it's going to be this way. The world is going to get crazier and crazier with legalization of this and legalization of that. And we're going to always carry the flag to prove that Nasa Adam Nemer Baburecha that Hashem, when he created man, had us in mind to prove to the world that as they become more like animals, we become more like the Tzelem Elohim that was intended to be Marbek, Kavad Shemayim, and the Bria, and to bring a light to the world to see Mashiach, Bekarov, and Binyan by Ashlishi. We shall all come to Yushalayim, where I am now, the Ir Shechubrala Yachta, 53 Ramana Golan. You're invited when Mashiach comes. Before that, please tell me in advance. But when Mashiach comes, Everybody's coming, and uh, even before that, and I love you all, and I thank you, and uh, we should all just continue to be mechazek each other. Sheves achim gam yachad, it's noim, it's geshmach. We should always continue to be mechazek each other. Amen. Everybody next week, Sunday, 9.30, with Rabbi Katz. Rabbi Stark, you tell me them love you. I just want to let you know. I love them more. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.